All right. <laughs> Woo. Mercy. Fine. First Corinthians chapter 6. Now, last week, we were talking about uh, the foundation of our purity. And let me read this just to catch up. And then uh, I actually, we, I talked about it, but I really didn't get to preach it. We want to do the last verse, and then we'll run into the next section if we have time. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this. Now, some of you be surprised this week because uh, last week was the foundation of our purity, and I talked about Romans 14 and others, and some of you went to the Mexican restaurant. I went there, and you came by to see if uh, Brother Jerry was drinking. <laughs> and all I had was my unsweet tea. So was a, well, Brother Jerry gave us all permission to drink. I said, no, I did not. So this week, we're going to talk about the failure of your freedom. And so everything we do in Christ has to be monitored because of your witness. Amen? And so... Uh, your, your maturity in Christ gives you freedom. And so we're going we're gonna to go there. Now, you'll remember in verse number 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you know that uh, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he talks about the unrighteous. And then he lists these characteristics of these people. They're pretty tough characteristics. Uh, don't be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, anyone practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, verse 11. Now, buddy, this is it. This really is the end of the message for last week that I really just didn't get time to get to. This is the foundation of your purity. And then we're going to go into verse 12, which will, will help us understand the failure of your freedom. Now, in Christ, you, you've had freedom. But if you misuse your freedom, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And so moderation is not the answer. Moderation is the problem if you're not in control. Amen? So now, listen, beautiful verse. If, you, if you're looking for a verse to put in your cards or for Christmas or to write, and, uh, you know, I mean, this, here's your good one right here, okay? And some of you used to be like this or were like this. And you say, well, Brother Jerry, I've never been like what the things you just read. I want to tell you theologically, yes, you are. Before you come to know Jesus, you're totally depraved. And every seed of unrighteousness lives in the person that, that does not have Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's there. And it can pop up at any time. You don't know what you're capable of until you're put under the right pressure. But uh, now we're talking about us. He says, and you and some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. Y'all all right? You were washed, he says, like that. And you were sanctified, number two. And then you were justified in, prepositions, very, very important, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in and of and by the Spirit of our God. That's the foundation of your purity right there. Let's go through this and look at this, and let me help you understand this a little bit more. We finished up with <clears throat> the swindler last week. And then <clears throat> Paul uses a being verb, and it's a, an imperfect verb, which means that it's a past tense. Now, I like this. He said, some of you used to be like this. You were like this. And I love it, too, because it's a, it's a second-person plural in the original language. Paul says, y'all. That's a southern y'all. 
Paul is speaking in the, the southern Greek language to the Jews. He said, listen, some of you used to be like that. And I keep telling you and I keep teaching you that when you come to being a Christian and when you talk about being lost and saved, in Scripture there's a clear line of demarcation. And, and so here Paul does it again. He says, listen, even in the tenses of the verbs right here, he's saying uh, a while back at some point in time, he says, the being verb, you literally in the past, it's a past tense, you used to be like that, but you're not like that anymore. And so he says there was a change right there for you. And if, if you can't find something to shout about, right there is a good place to say hallelujah, Lord, I'm not what I used to be. Not what I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. But this takes on even more of a serious tone when we, when we talk about being born again, that you used to be like that. He says, I used to be lost. I used to be wicked. I used to be unrighteous. I used to be, Ephesians 5, 8, and in that chapter, he talks about not being in darkness. Paul says, you were darkness. But he says, now you are light in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's a beautiful thought right there. But the old has gone and the new has come. I was a sinner, but now I am a saint. The word saint in the New Testament is used 229 times. I think the Lord is trying to teach us something. He's saying hagios, hagio is the Greek word. It means that you are holy. You used to be unholy, but now you're holy. And some of y'all are thinking right now, in your mind, already you got negative and you said, Roger, you don't know me. I'm not holy. I got news for you. Theologically, you're holy. And so that's what we're talking about. This is in context of this passage. Paul is saying, honor God with your bodies. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. He's saying, listen, notice in verse 9, know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you're not the unrighteous. You're the saints of the Lord. Now, everybody who comes to Woodlake and all the folks who, who visit and all the folks who watch by way of the Internet, that preacher down there is always hammering everybody and telling them how sorry they are. Well, I want to tell you, you missed it today. You have no criticism because pastor came today and said, that's what you used to be. This is what you are now. And now the goal for you and for me, just flip right on over. If you, you got to go to the next page, look down in 620. He says, you're not your own. I believe one of our Sunday school classes talked about that today. You're not your own. Watch. You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You see, that's the goal now. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and theologically, all of my hope rests in not what I used to be, but what I am now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old is gone, and the new has come. One of the silly little illustrations, it helps the kids, and it's fine. I'm not saying it's heretical, but we say, oh, now you're saved. you got a, you got a mean dog and a good dog in you. And if you feed the good dog, you'll be a good person. Folks, that's theologically incorrect. You don't have a bad dog in you anymore. You live in the flesh, but you've been born again. What does the Scripture say? You say, oh, well, brother, I don't believe that. I just read it. The old is gone, the new has come. You didn't turn over a new leaf. Getting turning over a new leaf is not salvation. You were made someone else. You were made something new. What, I mean, this Bible verse right here is incredible. Listen, Romans 1-7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. You were called to be a saint. We were called to act like saints. 
Can I tell y'all, your pastor doesn't act like a saint all the time. I mean, I deal with the same thing you do. I get up in the morning, get in the shower, and there's all this frustration that piles up on top of me that says, hey, you're still human and God's not listening to you, and you get discouraged and you get beat down and everything's wrong and everything's upside down. It's because of the culture and the world that we live in. That in itself proves to you what I'm saying is true. You are a saint. You don't live here. We're out of town, so to speak. And so, uh, but now, what what does Paul say? But you used to be that, but now, listen, here's the foundation of your purity. Remember, in context, here's where we're going. You were washed. Y'all all all right? Now, I, I love this. One of the things that the Greek text does is it'll take a regular word, and then it will have its meaning, and then they'll put... The grammar, you can put a preposition on the front of it. And when you put a preposition on the front of it, it intensifies the word. It makes a superlative, so to speak, out of it. And so here, this little word is apalusaste. And apalusaste has a preposition on the front of it, the ape, and it means it's in compound, the grammar calls it. It's a preposition in compound, which means not only were you washed, You are washed completely, thoroughly, and as clean as you can get. That's what it means. And so you theologically right now, uh, Paul says, that's what some of you used to be, but not anymore. You are washed. And some of you walk around constantly just continually berating yourself, beating yourself down, hurting yourself because you don't measure up. But see, that's not the process. The process was that initially you were washed, you were born again, and the Lord completely cleansed you. If he completely cleansed you of all the sins you had before you were born again, can he not handle your sin after you've been born again? You are clean. And, and we're going to put all pieces, all the pieces of the puzzle together. It's hard not to get ahead of myself. I want to teach you all of it at one time, but it's hard. I want to build this cake one layer at a time, and then we're going to put the icing on top of it. Y'all all right? So he says, you have been washed. It means to fully wash completely. It speaks of the word regeneration. John 3, 5 says, you're born of the Spirit. Now, uh, man, there's so many different... Uh, Scholars who have made opinion of John 3, 5. Well, what does it mean to be born of the water and of the Spirit? Some people in error have said, well, you have to be baptized too. Well, can I tell you, if you got baptized and you thought baptism saved you, if you got christened as a little baby and you think that saved you, all you did was get wet. We baptize people by immersion here because it identifies you with the Lord Jesus Christ. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. You identify. All the folks out there today, well, I identify as this. Well, I want to tell you. I identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I identify with. And he has made me a saint. He's made me holy. And he has literally, he has washed me. And I've been uh, born again. It means to be regenerated from above. This literally in the text is a permissive passive. It means that God called me and I gave the Lord Jesus by his grace and his faith that he gave me. I, 
I permissively let him come into my heart. I called him into my heart. I said, Lord, thank you for drawing me. Come into my heart and wash me. Make me anew. Make me holy. Make me righteous. Now, listen, I want to show you just how, how the, the line of demarcation. Everything that I've preached this morning, who would do a better job already just in 10 minutes? Who would do a better job at understanding what I've said this morning? A born-again believer or a lost man? You see, you want to know if you are a believer this morning? Do you understand what I just said? See, believer already knows what's going on because he's been washed. You know that. As soon as you're born again, you, you get washed. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and lives in you. And as soon as you sin, the Holy Spirit says, eh, that's against the law. The, the, the law of the Spirit. We don't, we don't just keep the Ten Commandments to be saved. We have the law of the Spirit. Now, as a New Testament born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the lawmaker within you. And so, you, he tells you everything. He convicts your heart. He pushes you to do the right thing. And so, listen to this passage right here. Uh, Titus 3.5. Jesus saved us through the washing of of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You, you, when Jesus was, was speaking with Nicodemus, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you don't get it. you got to be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I go in the womb a second time? Jesus said, no, you don't get it. He said, I'm not talking to you. He says, if you don't understand earthly things, how are you going to understand heavenly things? He says, son, you can keep all the laws, be of the great Pharisee. And Jesus called him in the text. He said, you are the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was the Pharisee in Jerusalem, and he didn't know the truth. Jesus said, you have to be born again immediately after you're born again. And, and that passage in John 3, 5 says you have to be born of the water and of the Spirit. What's he talking about? Well, uh, the context there in John 3, 5 is physical birth. How can you get saved spiritually? Jesus is comparing the earthly and the spiritual. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, if, you get, if you're born... As a person, you have to be born also of the Spirit. You have to be born again. And so, see, today we, we, we call it the, the birth, the rebirth, being born again. A lot of people don't understand that. Well, in Titus 3.5, Jesus says you have to be saved through the washing of rebirth, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. Water doesn't do it. The Spirit does it when He comes and lives within you. I'm going to prove it to you in just a second. The word for rebirth in Titus 3.5 is this, palingenesis. You, the palin part of it is, is two words put together. Palin means again. Genesis, you know that word. Do you hear a word there that you know? Genesis. It's the word genesis. And so he says, listen, you have to start over. And so you don't have a bad dog and a good dog. I want to make you a good dog, period. Y'all all right? So you don't turn over a new leaf. So how many people have you said, you know, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing that, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to get my act together so God will accept me. Nope, wrong. You're doing it backwards. You give your life to Jesus Christ. He saves you. You become born again. And then the Spirit of God comes to live within you and helps you get over those things. That's the foundation of your purity. You can't, you can't be holy enough at any point in time in your life, to be born again. It's the work of the Spirit. Have to be born again. Palin Genesis. You cannot 
turn over a new leaf. The Stoics used to speak of the restoration of the natural world. The Jehovah's Witnesses are doing that today. Oh, one day the lion will lay down in the land. I mean, God's going, let me tell you what God's going to do with this earth. He's going to destroy it. As a matter of fact, he's going to destroy heaven too. He says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. It's in the book. Find it. A new heaven and a new earth. No, there will be nothing left in heaven that will remind us of this place and the sin and the iniquity, but the scars on Jesus' hand in the book. And so then the Jews used to say, well, of the renewing of the world then, when Messiah comes, well, there will be some sort of renewal during the millennium, but the old earth is going to go away. This is, listen, some people think, well, I'll just, I'm going to, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. No, you have to be born again. You have to be washed. Now look, second leg, here's what happens. Sanctification. Notice, he says, you were washed and you were sanctified. Well, what is the sanctification? What does that mean? What does sanctification mean? Well, it's a passive verb that means it was done unto you. Somebody has to sanctify you. You can't sanctify yourself. And it's an aorist passive too. It means it was done in some point in time. Y'all all right? Now, I got saved like a million times. No, I didn't know. I was so afraid I was going to hell. I walked down the aisle every Sunday. Somebody at Curtis Baptist says, what is wrong with that boy? I'll tell you what was wrong with me. I was living in sin. I was giving my heart to Jesus every Sunday because I was afraid that I was going to hell. You talking about being lit up by the Holy Spirit of God. I can't tell you when I got saved. I, got, I, th- I thought I was getting saved every Sunday. We know that I know now as a mature believer that's crazy, but I was afraid to death. I was coming to the Lord asking him, God, please help me. And I didn't understand this process that immediately the first time I was serious and I asked Jesus to save me, I was his. But then the sanctification process takes place. Now listen, many of you are miserable this morning. Many of you watching by way of internet are miserable because you literally can't find your purpose in life. And the word sanctification has to be done in a point in time. If you can't look back and tell me when your life changed, no change, no Christ. I've had Baptists tell me, well, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. You were born into this world as a descendant of Adam and Eve, and you inherited the sin nature. And you have to get rid of that sin nature. You have to get out of Adam's family, the first Adam's family, and get in the second Adam's family, which is Jesus Christ. You you got to be born again. You can't turn over a new leaf. You know what the government's problem is today? They're trying to educate people into holiness. They're trying to educate people into uh, doing the right thing. Well, Dr. Rogers used to say it. I I would say it this way. I would say, well, if all you're doing is making people, you educate them, you make a smarter infidel out of them. Dr. Rogers used to say it this way. You just make a smarter devil. You see, you send a man to college all day long, but until he gets born again, it didn't do him any good. He's just adding to worldly knowledge. Those are just things that are set up by society that we have to climb over to climb the ladder, to get more pay and things of that nature. It has no spiritual value whatsoever. And so sanctification, the word here, hagiadzo, means to set apart for a purpose. Y'all all right? To set apart for a purpose. So many people are literally miserable because they hadn't found their purpose yet. 
And somebody say to me, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this world. I tell you what, give your heart to Jesus, become born again. He will sanctify you, and he'll put you on a road to holiness that you won't ever get over. You can work on that all day, every day, 24-7, and, and, and hopefully, praise God, you'll get a little better and better day by day. And after 40 years or 50 years of serving Jesus, you know, somebody said to me one day, well, you just want them holy rollers. I said, I wish you could find something in me holy. Y'all right? I'm not a holy roller. I'm just born again. It, it refers to the fact that, you're, that you were claimed by God as his own. You were made a member, listen, of the holy people. You were sanctified. You were allowed to get it. Now, listen, you know, just play this game with me for a minute. You are God. You okay? You going to be God for a minute? I'm glad you don't get his power. I'm glad this is just fun. Now, you are holy and righteous in and of yourself. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny yourself. You have to operate out of your holiness, and you want fellowship. So you create a man. The man disobeys you. And the man gives up his dominion. The man forsakes you. You've created him so that you'd have someone to love and someone to love you. And now he's messed up. He disobeyed your holiness. And by out of your holiness, you can't deny who you are. You have to punish that man. And you tell that man, I have heaven, but you can't get there. You can't get back to me because you, you ate from the tree and you failed. Now how... I'm just going to have to kill Adam and Eve and start over. Now, that's not what God did, and that's not what he did. God redeemed them. And so you as God have got to figure out a way in order to get that man back so you can never lose him again. You created humankind, so here we are. And so you're God. You have to find a way to get those people into heaven and sanctify them and help them be able to be in your presence and be holy. How are you going to do that? Well, a man lost, a man lost your dominion. So a man has to get your dominion back. But a man can't do it because he's sinful. We've already seen Adam did that. So what shall we do? Well, what we need is a God-man. And how are we going to get a God-man? Well, we're going to get a God-man through the virgin birth. That's what we're going to do. And so you're going to send Jesus from heaven through born of a woman under the law to keep the law, to live totally righteous. He'll be sinless and perfect, and then he can pay the penalty for our sin as the descendants of Adam. That's salvation, folks. And then all you have to do in order to get to heaven is identify with that sacrifice. And we call that, my friends, being born again, being washed and being sanctified. You see, when you're sanctified, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and makes you holy. He cleanses you. You've been washed by the, the rebirth. Now you're sanctified, and you begin to grow as a Christian. You begin to find the purpose and the meaning that God had for your life. Listen, you, you look at everything around you completely and totally different. While I'm here, let me just, let me just hit this just a second. The reason, see, this functions with everything else we do as a, a Christian, being sanctified. Many, many of you guys, guys are struggling with lust and they're having a hard time with those things. Let me tell you why lust is wrong. You remember, sometimes you just think, I don't even, you know, why is this even wrong? I'm just recognizing this beauty. No, recognizing beauty is fine. 
We all know when we see someone that's beautiful. We all recognize when someone has all the right curves in all the right places. You're not an idiot. You're not blind. But you begin to do things in your mind that you shouldn't do. And here's the problem. You see, that person is a born-again believer, and that person has been sanctified, which means they've been set apart for a purpose. And what you've actually done is taken the image of God and used it for your purpose, not his. You all right? That's why I look. That, you see, and that applies to everything. I use a coarse illustration, but when, you see, food was made for the body and the body for food. But when I abuse that, you look like this. You see? Y'all all right? So you see, I live to eat instead of eat to live. Everything gets flipped upside down because of sanctification. There's a purpose that is involved in this. And so the foundation of your purity is sanctification. You're not what you used to be because of Jesus. So uh, it, it's your, your regeneration, it made you different. You were born from above. But you were also set apart, which is your sanctification, and you're washed from above as well. So you're born again, and you're washed. And so look at your text. That's what you used to be, these things that are unrighteous. But now you've been washed. Now you've been sanctified. And let's just drive the nail in the coffin right here. Now, I mean, you, <laughs> this is so good, I might have a spell before we're done. Let's talk about justification. I was set apart. I'm a holy, honorable vessel. Uh, D.L. Moody had great success because of his consecration. And as a young man, he heard a minister say that God has yet to see what can be accomplished by one man who is wholly consecrated to him. And Moody resolved in his heart, he said, I'll be that man. Thomas Huxley, the neglector of religion, once said something that every Christian should know and that we do believe. He said, it doesn't take much of a man to be a Christian, but it does take everything of him that there is. You've been made new in regeneration. You have been made holy and set apart in sanctification. Now you are anchored eternally due to your justification. This is the one doctrine that we know to be true that sends unbelievers into orbit. They can't understand us. They don't understand how that we can be holy and righteous and be called saints theologically and that we still make mistakes and have sins. Their, their perfect line to us is, I'm not going down to that church. There's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, I got news for you. There's a lot less of them here than there are out there. And the ones that I got here, I'm chief among sinners, but we're at least on a path. We have been born again. We are theologically righteous in Jesus Christ. I've been sanctified. I don't, my woner has been fixed. As a matter of fact, here's the encouraging word for you. You can't sin and enjoy it. You can't. It bothers you when you do things you're not supposed to do. And it's, it's just like you hit that same bump in the road every day, and then one day you get tired of that bump shaking the car, and you say, you know what? I'm going to go around the bump. That's sanctification. It's just that simple. Now you're different than you used to be. The, the, the Greek word is... Uh, Diakio, and all of these words with the, with the delta, iota, kappa, root, all refer to justice, righteousness, justification, 
justified. All of those roots, every time I'm just reading through my Greek Testament, or if I'm looking to, to do word studies and I see delta, iota, kappa, I know something about justification, something about being right is on the way. It's a good word. And, and the word, you, here's what the word means. You can't go back to who you used to be. You can't. That's why the being verb, you were, that's what some of you were, but now you're not. You're light in the Lord. You can't go back. The reason that I believe in eternal security, the reason I believe I can't lose my salvation, is pure and simple because of the word justification. And it is used 26 times in the, in the New Testament, most of it in Romans, which is so doctrinal. And so Paul is saying to these folks, that's what you used to be in the anchor that holds your new birth and it holds your sanctification in process is your justification. And justification means that you're justified before God. When he sees you, he sees you as justified. Not only does he see you that way, he looks as if you never sinned. That's what justification means. I mean, you may still remember it, and I can bet you, you still remember lots of things that you did that you didn't want to do, mistakes that you made. But I want to tell you, in heaven, those things have been forgiven. This is the anchor of your purity, that you have been born again. You've been regenerated. You have been sanctified, and now you've been justified. And so justification takes care of this problem. When the infidels, when the unbelievers look at us and they say, how can you call yourself holy? I say, listen, in my theology I am holy. Practically I'm still working on being what Jesus wants me to be. That's why we don't quit. That's why when we make mistakes we ask the Lord to forgive us. Let me go you one step further. Probably other than the Lord's Prayer, you can't find anywhere in the New Testament that says to ask the Lord for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 1.9 says... If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. When you confess, the Greek word is homologeo. It means homo, same, and legeo, word, same word. It means to speak the same word. It means you go before the Lord and say, Lord, I agree with you, I did that. You say the same word. And he says, if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Confession is for one purpose, restore the fellowship. When you sin as a believer, your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. You all right? The things you're going to do tomorrow have been forgiven in Christ. We ask, and it's just semantics. We can say, I confess my sin or Lord, forgive me of my sin. Nothing wrong with saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Even though they're forgiven, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Can we restore the fellowship? Anybody broke fellowship with the Lord this week? And thank goodness that immediately when you break fellowship with the Lord, he says, hey, come home. The heart, he says, listen, it's okay. And then for a little while, sometimes I think that I'm right. And I argue with the Lord, and I say stupid stuff like, I ain't right. Lord, why you treat me like that? Why you do that? I ain't right. I'm trying my best. Can you not help me a little bit? And you pout like a little kid. And it feels good for a while, and then the Holy Spirit wins. You listen to me. Say it with me. Holy Spirit always wins. He, he always wins. Man, that pee under the mattress... 
It's the Holy Spirit. It hurts. A burr in the saddle, that's the Holy Spirit. Never goes away. You ever fought that thing? You ever fought it, fought it, fought it? I'm right. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm right. I didn't do anything wrong. Yep, call and apologize. Pay that back. Do this. Holy Spirit always wins. And so, in today's world, a lot of doctrines are under attack, and this is one of them. If your sin, but listen to me, if your sin was not eternally dealt with at the cross, nobody's going to heaven. Well, I'm about to die. We're going to call in the last rites. You can call in first rites. You can call in second rites. And you can call in the last rites. If you've not been justified, you're on your way to hell. So Brother Jerry just made all the Catholics mad. No, I hope that I gave them some insight right here. Nobody standing over you praying over the rosary is going to get you to heaven. Nobody is going to live holy enough right up to the end and make it. You're not going to make it. You foolish Galatian, you're not that holy. You're not going to make it. You've got to have something better in place. It's called justification. You have to identify with somebody who did live right up to the end and was holy. And I can promise you, he's holy. He died for us who had no sin that we might become the dikaisune, the righteousness of God in him. In who? In him. Now, that I, I love this. Notice how it happens. You were justified by yourself. No, Paul didn't stop there. I told you this is a good verse. Nobody can poke a hole in this verse. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, that's how you're justified. It's in Christ. It's not Buddha. It's not Hare Krishna. It's not David Koresh. It's not anyone else. It's not Joseph Smith. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by His Spirit. It's your sanctification of our God. (laughs) Your foundation of your purity is in, by, and of God. Everything that we have that we brought to heaven is absolutely useless without Jesus Christ. We stand condemned without Him. But oh, What a beautiful thing that he has chosen to give us a foundation of purity. Now, as you go through the scripture, what you're going to find is there's always a theological and a practical. When you read Ephesians or Philippians, the first parts of those books, Paul deals with theology. He said, here's the theology. And then he changes about midway through the epistle and he starts talking about the practical aspects of Paul says, here's how you live it out. You know what people need to see? They need to just see us live it out. And see, nobody gets through this life without getting knocked down and sinning. So I'm going to ask you today, here's our application. Here's what I want you to take out of here. I'm asking you to leave a life of sin and be washed, be sanctified, 
and to be justified. And here's the process. And we're going to go through this next week. We're going to start with glorifying God with our bodies. And we're going to talk about our freedom. We're going to take the second. We looked at the foundation of our purity. Now we're going to look at the, the failure of our freedom next week. But again, look at the last verse. What is all this for? What's, why, why are we doing this? And, and here's, the, here's the key right here. Verse 20. For you were bought at a price. You're bought. You're not your own. And here's what Paul was trying to say to them. No matter what you allow in and out of your life, the, the most important thing is that you do this. Glorify God in your body. That's, that's it. Just glorify God in your body. And uh, you, you know what that entails? Whew, mercy. I've got, some <laughs> I got some things to do with this old body. You know, I've had a lot of people over the years that don't understand how hard it is to lose weight. And uh, they, they say, say, Brother Jerry, you're you just, you just getting fat. <laughs> I said, well, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> I say, I'm just going to pray the Lord give you my metabolism for a little while. Now, I had a good metabolism one time up till I was about 45. Did, can I just tell you this, the truth? I was a pig before I got fat. I had the best metabolism anybody I knew. I could eat a dozen Krispy Kremes, man, and it ain't nothing, no problem. No problem. Just say, so see, a lot of skinny people out there, some of y'all are gluttons. I wish Bobby Brooks was still here. Bobby say to me, guess what I did last night about 9 o'clock? I said, I know what you did. You ate ice cream and a bag of Oreo cookies. That's exactly what you did. You sorry, rascal. Skinny as a rail. But if I make it to 80, I just got news for y'all. I'm blowing up like a pig. I'm going to eat whatever I want to. I'm going out with a Big Mac on my breath. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's this song. <laughs> going to Rafferty's and get double ribs. I'm just going. But the people that have meant the most to me and just didn't come and say, Brother Jerry, you're just getting fat. I was like, I know that. I see myself. They say, touch my heart. I said, but Jerry, we need you. Please take care of yourself. Now, that's a word. But Jerry, take care of yourself. We need you. We need you. See, I want to honor God with my body. And believe it or not, many of us who are big, we're doing the best we can. I mean, we're, we're struggling, man. And you skinny people with good metabolism walking around just stuffing stuff down all the time, I'm going to push you down one day. I'm just kidding. I love you. Let's just honor God with our bodies. But please, if I could just beg you for a moment, please be born again. Get washed, sanctified, justified. Lay that foundation of purity. Let's stand. Father, we love you. Oh, Lord, thank you for loving us 